0: This week on Living the Call, Deacon sits down with his wife, Jessica Etcheverry. Here's a quick disclaimer that the two requested be read, given the subject matter, in today's episode. We struggled with the idea of releasing this episode this week, given that Christmas is almost upon us and the subject matter is anything but merry. But we were also moved by the reality that it is precisely during Christmas that holiday cheer can amplify loneliness and hopelessness, And people who have lost loved ones or who have high expectations of renewed happiness during the holiday season, only to be disappointed when the season passes. As well as the recent news of high profile suicides in the news and the pain of their families, which we discuss on this episode. It was with these factors in mind that we chose to release this episode now.
1: I think it's super important that when we have this discussion around suicide, that That we speak about the moments and just our human nature, right? Ebbs and flows of life, that everything that, you know, goes up must come down. Like all of that means something. it's It's truth.
0: This is living the call. Jessica Etcheverry, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you, deacon.
0: i I think I don't know if this is, is this is your second time or third time doing this.
1: I think it's just my second. Your
0: second time. Yeah. Because I haven't had, I don't even know how many return guests I think I've ever had, but mm. you are the best looking one. <laughs> I will tell you that.
1: Stop.
0: Well, <laughs> it happens to be true. And it Aww, also happens thanks. that if I didn't say that, I would be in trouble.
1: No. I know. I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no. I'm trying to
0: have some fun with the audience. Thank you
1: for having me back, though. Of I, course. I
0: appreciate it's, it. It's it's great to have you back because even though we spend a lot of time with each other, this is not a context that we often do it in. And um, we had a lovely conversation the last time you were here about our ministry around homelessness. Mm-hmm. But this time there was something that was on your heart um, that mm-hmm. you wanted to chat about. And I made the recommendation that maybe we actually have this discussion in the context of a Living the Call episode. And so— we can dive right into it, but the idea of this came recently from some headlines that were yes. out in the news, a uh, very sad and tragic um, uh, suicide death of uh, Ellen DeGeneres's, I guess DJ or sidekick yes. on the show. Yeah. Known
1: as Twitch, but it's his name is Stephen Boss.
0: Stephen Twitch Boss, mm-hmm. that's right, um, mm-hmm. and that filled the headlines with... Obviously a lot of people feeling very sad about that, people commenting on his death, etc. and the cause of death was pretty clearly identified at least in the articles that I saw early on of a uh, of suicide. Suicide, yeah. And so you and I've had a number of conversations around this subject. It's not a fun subject
1: no, not to at
0: discuss, all. but it is something that uh, in our conversations you've revealed to me that you have a very specific perspective on death by suicide and one that you think and you know is not often discussed or shared. And so I thought, well, let's have that conversation. We really haven't had it deeply, you and I, even though we've talked about it just on the outskirts. And so I wanted to give you a forum to be able to have that discussion with this audience and with me so that we can kind of get a little bit, peel back the onion layers and kind of dive into this very difficult subject. But one that I think... Has a lot to say and about the way that we approach our Christian faith and how we should perceive these events when they happen. So,
1: yeah, your show,
0: your episode,
1: but (laughs) but that's (laughs) the yeah. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So personally, um, I have experience with attempts at suicide. People who know my story, you obviously know my story, know that I attempted suicide twice. And obviously it didn't accomplish it. I'm here. Um, And so in sharing my testimony, the the topic of suicide comes up as just something else that I've experienced. Mm. And I don't recall, maybe I have, but I don't recall ever really just talking about suicide, not in connection with having been homeless, having... Child sexual trauma, um, all of the other things that my testimony includes. And I just really have been feeling on my heart and in my spirit over the past week, especially the past couple of days since the news of um, Stephen Boss's suicide um, death, this kind of call to speak, speak my own testimony, speak my own experience. Um, But also to speak um, about what it means as a society, what it means as a church, what it means as a person who might know someone who's committed suicide or attempted suicide, just everything around the topic, because I don't see it spoken about with charity, but truth. One
0: quick uh, level set for for us and for our audience um, in terms of this topic. In the last uh, measured survey on this issue, uh, which was 2020, apparently there was almost 46,000 Americans that died by suicide. Suicide is the 12th leading cause of death in the United States. Um, that's about one death every 11 and a half minutes or so. And something I didn't know is— Ah, uh, that there is one suicide death for every twenty-five attempts. So if you do the math mm-hmm. of the number of people who are in this kind of moment of of great existential drama and trauma, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's it's for every twenty-five of those moments, there's one. I hate to use the word successful, but even you've suggested that you weren't successful at when you tried right, yours. Right, no, so. and that,
1: that actually is the right term to use. And there actually are, and, you know, we have Google now, and so many studies are online. If people really wanted to dive into the research, they could. We'll put some in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. And But studies do um, have those types of categories and separations, right? There's suicidal thoughts. Right. There's suicidal ideations um, and there's suicide attempts. What's the difference
0: between suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation?
1: Um, suicidal thoughts can be something like, um, gosh, I really just hope I don't wake up tomorrow morning. Right. This kind of just it kind of just runs through your head because you're just at a really low point. You're having a tough time in life. And just the thought of not being around sounds a little tempting for a second.
0: My family would be better off without me.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, suicidal thought, um, you know, a thought of no longer being here mm-hmm. is really a suicidal thought and how that manifests in any way. Okay. As, as far as in your mind, right? Suicidal ideation is kind of taking that thought and spending more time with it. And like planning. And, and planning. Like that. Yeah. So it's like, well, if I weren't here, how would that happen? Right. Um. How would I not be here? So now you're you're kind of exploring and thinking about in your thoughts more of how you would actually commit suicide and what it would look like and, and how it would work.
0: In your own personal experience, can you distinguish between those two? Like what was a thought and what was ideation? Do you remember both of them discreetly or do you not remember like how that worked?
1: I remember in my own personal experience, the first time that I attempted suicide and the, you know, For each person, it's different. And a lot of studies have been done on how someone thinks, ideates, and attempts. um, The way in which they choose um, speaks a lot to what particular wound or pain they're experiencing because there's a lot of different um, wounds and pains that someone can have that could lead them into this type of belief and thought process. For me in particular, it was traumatic experiences Um, For someone who hasn't maybe really suffered a lot of adverse traumatic experiences, but has maybe um, suffered post-traumatic stress or more emotional abuse or environments, um, then it tends to be kind of, I hate to use the word, but I don't know any other word, like a softer type, in a sense, not as violent. Um, Also, depending on um, your sex, if you're male or female that influences um, the actual attempt type.
0: Mm. But in your own case, though, when, you know, kind of going back to thought and ideation, Mm -hmm. was there a moment that preceded the ideation of how will I do it where you just had a lot of those thoughts about kind of the world being better without you or some circumstance being solved because you weren't there? Mm -hmm. Did you see thoughts then ideation? Or was that not as clear in your own case?
1: No. So for me, the thoughts and ideation were together um, in my first two attempts. And then, which I haven't spoken very publicly about, um, after marrying you and going through therapy and kind of going through these phases of healing, there was a point in our marriage after we had our, you know, our our last two children that we had and they were young. So we have this young family There was an interior struggle inside of myself between kind of old self, new self, you know, what I lived before, what I'm living now. Just the drastic um, difference between those two experiences created a lot of chaos inside of me. And so the thought came, maybe it's like, it's not maybe it's better if I'm not here. That for me, it was, I don't want to feel this.
2: Mm.
1: It's wanting to escape the pain that you're in. Make it stop. Make it stop. And then you get to a point where you just feel like you can no longer bear it anymore that then you start to think, how can I make it stop? And so my ideations happened in our marriage. My attempts, my thoughts and attempts happened before I even met you when I was on the streets. Um and you know, not in a secure housing, so it's two different stages of my life, two different times and ages, um, completely different lifestyles and scenarios, um, but still there and present.
0: for the for, during the first series of these, before you and I met that you had these two failed attempts mm-hmm. um, did the idea, the ideation in terms of how to go about this, all of it just kind of occurred rapidly, like it was yes. a quick onset of yes. like, okay.
1: Yeah. So it was, there was not a lot of planning. It was all very fueled by, um, very extreme feelings and emotions, mm. uh, extreme depression, even rage in a sense, just this feeling of numbness as well, um, And the sense that you just can't go on, right? I just can't go on anymore. I can't bear it another second. Um, And so because you're in that type of feeling and numbness, if there was planning, I don't recall it. It It was more a stream of conscious, gonna just do it, not thinking too much about it type of situation in my two experiences. Kind of a heat of the moment. Yes, yes, heat of the moment. And when I do talk specifically like individually to people about suicide and my own experiences, I do speak about moments. I think it's super important that when we have this discussion around suicide, that that we speak about the moments and just our human nature, right? Ebbs and flows of life, that everything that, you know, goes up must come down. Like all of that means something. It's it's truth, right? And even, like, bad stuff changes and even good stuff changes, right? Like, are we happy at this very moment as we were on our wedding day when we exchanged vows? No, because things go up and they come down. So I think where suicide comes in is you don't know how to emotionally regulate your ups and your downs. And when you're down um for me looking back not knowing who i was and how important i was as a person in this world and who created me and who i belonged to i had no none of that identity to latch on to and so i had nothing mm. but my own pain which makes the idea of suicide more uh pleasing in a appealing. sense appealing yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but in the second stage um, of my life with you, married with you, uh, taking care of a home, now being a housewife, a mother, um, young children, um, school-age children, you know, helping the homeless, you know, all of those things I was doing, but because I was going to therapy and trying to heal from the woundedness that I experienced in my earlier life, you know, it brought out, it opened those boxes of woundedness and it created an internal chaos inside of me. And speaking as a Catholic Christian, it's a spiritual battle. There's a part of the healing process where, you know, Satan sees that you're moving out of that wound and closer to God, to him. And so he really fights for you. And, even in my book, and when I speak about the stages of healing and forgiveness that God brought me through, I, I explain to people like it hurts, right? Acknowledging the things that happened to you, acknowledging the things maybe you yourself have done, all of that truth, you know, giving, you know, proper placement and value to those actions and, and occurrences can be, you know, very hurtful and, and hard, right? But you have to do that in order to accept accept them and kind of move on. So that's where I was at that time. I was in the middle of that spiritual battle where the devil was throwing me around like a rag doll in a sense where it's like, oh, you think you're this wonderful wife and mom and And person who serves the homeless and that's who you think you are? No, that you're this and would, you know, remind me of my past, the things that I've experienced. You're living
0: a lie, you're a fraud. Exactly. All of those kind of things, the accusations and the conflict between the old and the new self.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's when the thought of, you know, I've, if I can not, if I can get myself out of that lifestyle if I can marry a good man, if I can have children and run a household and still be miserable, what is there? Mm. That's what I was struggling with. Then what is there to this? How come I'm still struggling? Right. And it had to do with, with me learning my true identity and learning the dignity of my own person and where I fit in this world. Mm you know, which is super important. Um, And it was the catalyst for me learning. um, Well, there are actually a couple of things that happened that changed this thought ideation attempt cycle for myself in suicide. One of them was I was concerned if I did commit suicide that my children would find me. And that so, they would be the
0: ones to discover. That
1: they would be the ones to discover me. Mm. That was a big deterrent for me. And I didn't, and I, I wasn't in the, in the, the spirit and the, in the sense of really planning it out and like thinking about it that deeply. So it really acted more as a deterrent, but I thought about it. The second one was um, I met a young girl who went to school with our, with our daughter whose father committed suicide. And she was just this beautiful little girl who was just so broken and in such pain because she lost her father to suicide. And I saw the just the brokenness that it leaves behind. And it was it was a big Awareness moment for me, interacting and and being in relationship with this young girl for so many years. She's an she's a woman now. Um, God bless her. But you know what she would describe and how she would talk about things and just even her worldview and and you know some of the things happening in her family and just the struggles that they were going through because this was what was kind of the fruit of of that.
0: At that time, in the background, did you have a sense of? kind of like the statistical probability that faced her as a child of suicide. In other words, was that ever a thought in your mind about, I think it's something like a four time, 400% increase or something Mm -hmm. in suicidality. If one of your parents has committed suicide.
1: Yeah. The numbers are actually pretty crazy. So, um, there's a particular study that I just read recently. Out of 243 people, patients, right. um, 50%. um, So out of 243 patients whose one at least one parent committed suicide, 50% had attempted suicide of the children. So half of them had already had an attempt when they did this study. So, and that's actually what happened next. So, yes, I encountered, I had this relationship with this girl who lost her father to suicide. And then very shortly after... I was um I was driving in the car and I had on uh the radio and there was I don't know what it was but they were talking about suicide and they were talking about the statistics of and I remember this person talking on the radio say that if a parent commits suicide then that child's chances of committing suicide are pretty much just Catastrophic. They're enormous, and there's just no way of getting around it. Like, that's how I interpreted what I was hearing. And Mm -hmm. I immediately thought about all the times recently, right, that I was ideating suicide because of what I was struggling with. And I immediately thought about our kids. And I thought, there's no way I can do this anymore. I can't even entertain this thought anymore because there's no way I would want that for my children. Like I'm setting them up basically to lose 50% of their choice and free will, mm. right? I'm building that mountain in front of them to climb. And it, it really struck me. It was definitely a life-changing moment. It was a chip change mm. in my mind and in my heart. Um, and from that point on, you know, I just started praying for God to fight the battle for me you know, for me and what I experienced and and in coming into the church and, and learning about human dignity and, and all of that, I realized that it is, you know, Satan wants my soul and he's going to attack me with what he knows my weaknesses are. And he knows that I've struggled with a lack of, you know, self self worth and self esteem because of my experiences and just an ignorance of my own dignity. So that's what he uses.
0: Yeah, and he definitely kicks you in when you're down and uses all the the most effective weapons, which are our weaknesses, our vulnerability, our brokenness, our insecurities, all of those things. I think what's also interesting about what you're saying is that just like you were in the car and you had this moment of hearing that radio uh, interview or you had an idea that came into your mind at some point, but because of what it might do to your child or because of this woman who you, this young girl who you met, eventually the moment passed, the moment was behind you, exactly. right? And th- there seems to me, and I have no experience with this necessarily, but just from hearing you talk about it, that when you're in that mindset, there's like this, this, forgetting of the moment. There's this sort of fake permanence that you believe is there. Yes. Right? It's like everything is this way and it's kind of fixed in Mm -hmm. time, which is itself a lie of the enemy, right? It's like, you know, you're, it's just, you're stuck. There's nothing you can do about it. Yep. But you've described it back to me many times as if that person can just get to the other side of that That moment, moment, right? And you've even talked about examples of people who, have survived attempts and what they feel.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite videos to share, and I stumbled upon him years ago and I, and I can't recall his name, but hopefully we'll find it and put it in the show notes. I encourage everybody to watch this video. It's a very short YouTube video. It's a young man who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge Mm. and survived. And there's a part in the video, which is so truthful (laughs) and powerful to me as an attempt survivor two times over, is that feeling that the moment he jumped off, he immediately wished he hadn't. And that's exactly the moment that I'm talking about because it's just a moment and the moment will pass. And yes, it may pass into another bad moment, but that too will pass. It's like the example that I give, it's like, again, you know, what comes up comes down. Like even... Bad things like drunkenness turns into what? Hangovers. Hangovers, right? And hangovers. And eventually sobriety. And eventually sobriety. Right. So it's like those are moments, stages, phases. Like that's who we are as human people. And this is suicide is the lie that is the lie of our permanence in a sense. Mm. And how we're feeling is permanent. It's Mm. the lie that Satan tells that we are stuck And we're going to suffer like this and it's never going to go away or it's not going to go away soon enough.
0: And then that's what drives the sense of this is a way out. I can sort of defeat this permanence by, by taking my life. Uh, I think it also has a lot to do that idea of the moment has some relationship with the way that suicide is perceived, right? We've talked a lot about this and this just happened. We introduced the, the subject of this young man—I guess he was 40 39? He's forty years old, forty-year-old man who, by all accounts, certainly worldly, secular accounts, kind of had all, everything going for him, right? I mean, you had—he
1: had, yeah, had three point nine million followers on Instagram.
0: He had a you know, had a job that had him in the spotlight, and yep. a, a, wife, a, a wife, wife, or three kids, three kids. Yeah, you know, well-known, blah blah blah. Like you know, so by all accounts, he had this sort of, sort of of story, and yet. He decided for, you know, for, for given his experience to make this decision, but the responses that you've read and that I've read and the articles and all this, and not just with him, with a lot of higher profile suicides, you increasingly hear.
1: Robin Williams, Kate Spade, Anthony
0: Bourdain.
1: Yeah. And you kind of hear
0: a similar message, which is. Narrative. Or narrative, which is what?
1: Which is, you know, they're in a better place. Now I have a guardian watching over me. Um, You know, let their love and light shine over, let their legacy be continued and remembered. And I really want to preface this part of the conversation with, yes, there was only one of them created and they are special And God wanted them here and wanted us to interact with them and see what he created them for because each one of us has that love and that light and that legacy to to contribute to this world. And this is not an or situation. This is an and situation. But I feel like the narrative that's being told in society and communication and especially in media and social media when somebody who has prevalence, right, and makes the news commits suicide is we immediately skip over what even, you know, psychologists tell us are the normal stages of grief, Mm. um, right, and and go all the way to what takes people sometimes their entire life. Sometimes they don't even get to the last part of grief, which is acceptance because they struggle their whole lives with having lost the person that they loved. They skip over all of that and go to the acceptance part and the grieving process immediately. And so what does, that, what does that do to the viewers? What does that do to the world that is watching, in a sense? What does that do to the teenager that's been following this man and his family on YouTube? You know what I mean? Like, what message does that send?
0: I think there's two things. I think there's the message that it sends, but also the real impact that it has on that person's loved ones, right? Because to your point, a very natural reaction to somebody close to you committing suicide is beyond shock and, of course, chaos, is anger.
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, look, and I'll be very, very candid right now, and this may be hard for a lot of people to hear. But if you committed suicide, I would not be on social media going, you know, God bless him. He's in a better place. I wish he, you know, wasn't gone, but pray for it. I just love and light. It's not that. The true emotion to losing someone that you love um, so dearly is shock, right? The first one, right? Then it's usually denial, no, 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 this hasn't, no, 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 this can't be true. This can't be true. This can't be true. And then there's anger. Why? Why did you do this to me? How could you have made this decision? How could you have done that? Because
0: presumably, even if you think that it is all love and light or whatever, um, you know, for this person, presumably, if that's what you believe, then... They're wherever that is, and they're experiencing whatever that is, but you're left not in that, right? So, right. So the idea that any reasonable person would be like, wait a minute, like you're leaving me in this, and having a real sense of of outrage in a way, to say yeah. it that way, but then being— like consequently unable to express that outrage is in itself kind of traumatic or can be.
1: Exactly, because now you can't just say he shouldn't have done that. Because, and this goes to one of the things that I feel like I'm constantly trying to share with people and help people to understand is there's a difference between who a person is and what a person does, right? And I think that that... uh, that ignorance of the difference, the separation between who I am as Jessica and what I may do, right? Or what I may say. Those are two separate things. And so we don't judge people, right? By saying, you know, it, he was, you know, he was such a good person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's great. He was. But we can, we don't judge people. We judge actions, Right. So this gentleman, Stephen Boss, was a beautiful creation of God. He was a husband. He was a father. He was a creator. Those are all wonderful things. They don't leave by you saying what he did was wrong. They don't leave. Or stop. Or stop, right? He was a good guy who made a bad decision. And it reminds me of a conversation I had recently We were, you know, at breakfast with this, um, with some friends and um, and this little five-year-old boy I'm sitting in front of. And I look at him and I'm like, you know, it's almost close to Christmas right now. So it was like, hey, are you excited for Christmas? You know, what do you want for Christmas? And he looks at me and he's like, well, I'm on the naughty list. I'm a bad boy. Mm. Five years old. Five years old. He's looking at me and telling me that he is a bad person. And that's what I think parents don't understand is that how we identify ourselves, who we think we are, whether we're this good thing or this bad thing, right? It starts early, early in our relationships within our family, the language that we use with children.
0: And it's really hard to undo too. How many experiences have we had even recently with, you know, families that we work with and and serve where somebody said, well, I'm a piece of crap or I'm whatever. It's not, I feel like one or someone told me I was acting crappy. No, it's, I am that. And it just becomes your entire identity.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's the problem. So, it's that problem that leads us to this narrative that's being um, pushed in society over suicide, right? I can't say anything bad about him because I love him.
0: Or even bad about how you feel. Or even I mean, bad about how you feel, right? Not, you're, you're probably not suggesting that anybody should start airing their grievances about that person being, no, you know, but, no, but no, just no, no, the fact that they feel.
1: I'm talking about the action that they did. And I think that's important when people talk about suicide to actually be honest about. There's nothing good about suicide. Nothing. Someone is taking their own life. So if we ignore that fact and only put love and light up, it's not the fullness of the truth. Mm. There's a way to be able to share the truth. For what it is in a loving and compassionate way. And the reason why I think this is important is because this gentleman, there was also a couple weeks ago locally here. I don't know if you heard this story, but there was a school principal down south. Oh, yeah, I did hear about who this. Who jumped to his death. Yes, at Disneyland 50 or, years or Disney old. World. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So he was a school principal. He's been a school principal. I think his name is Christopher Christensen. Okay. He jumped to his death. Right. And come to find out he is a school principal for years and he's basically worked for the school district for decades. Um, so you have that guy. And so those are the two headlines in the news recently as far as suicides. These are people that would be categorized as influencers. Um, this uh, Stephen Boss is a social media influencer. You know, Christopher Christensen is a school Influencer, right? He's he's an influencer. He's been working in it his whole career. He's worked for the school district in many capacities. So he's an influencer in those environments. And what does that mean? Like what does the word influencer mean? Right? It means that what you do is gonna have an effect on who it hits, in a yeah. sense, right? On something or someone. What you do and share is going to have an effect. That's what an influencer is. And if we look at Stephen Boss's Instagram, 3.9 million people. And that's just his. Him and his wife were influencers together. Him and his wife and their three kids had their own YouTube channel. 167,000 subscribers. If you go onto the About page, it has a little note from them saying kind of welcome to the family. Right. This is what I'm talking about. If you have influencers of these types committing suicide, that's the influence that everybody's getting. Mm. And so if we don't, when this happens, change the narrative. Right. If instead of posting, you know, our family needs privacy at this time, but his love and light and legacy. What we need is the truth. I am shocked. Our family is in shambles. I can't even breathe. He gave up and I wish he hadn't. It like any kind of form of the truth instead of this kind of, you know, media cleansed type of, you sanitized know, sanitized version. version, which is which I find very confusing Because you open your home up, which these people literally did, this couple, they're beautiful family. You open your home up to the world, the inside of your home. But when it's most important to tell the truth, it's not being shared. Now, I'm not saying that her herself should be doing this. I'm just saying that when the media picks up on this, I think that there's a responsibility for us to tell the truth about it. And not make it look like something somebody didn't have a choice.
0: Yeah, it's the ultimate double whammy, too, because what happens—I I, I, I grieve on both sides of the equation, which is I grieve for the influential effect that people who are in the public eye have with respect to this issue on others who look up to them, who value their perspective and their opinion, and what message they take from that. I think that that can be— very tragic and difficult and probably has a lot of like a ripple effect and ramifications in a lot of different directions. But I keep coming back to this, which I think the greater point and the greater grieving that I do is for those closest to that person. Absolutely. Who are increasingly in a position where they can't at least publicly Mm -hmm. share as readily their sense of, of, of fracture, of anger, of, of being distraught, of being, you know, unmoored and like floating in outer space and yeah. the real tragedy that this is and how they're not okay with it. Right. Right. It, it, because if you can't share that, it reminds me actually of, um, what's that one book, uh, the abortion one, where it basically touches on the fact that women
1: disenfranchised are— Disenfranchised Yeah, grief. That, we,
0: that women are—yeah, disenfranchised grief. So yes. I, I can't even voice the fact— That these things are inside because they've somehow become less acceptable societally.
1: Right, exactly. Um, And and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because every person in the family is affected, right? So he was married and so he he has a wife, right? So how is this spouse affected? The partner is affected because they're left with a sense of not having been good enough. Mm. Was I not good enough for you to... To, to struggle stick it out with, for. to take, to stick it out for, right? Or maybe there's something I could have done. What if I should have noticed this or should have stopped this or should have done that? There's so much um, of that 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 person is now struggling with and left with, right? The person's parents, if his parents are still alive, right? Just, Which likely they are. And at just least because, one of them. exactly. And just because he's an adult, like, you know, that doesn't mean. No parent should lose a child no matter what age, right? So with the parents, they're left with depression, right? Sometimes, you know, when you have a child who, submit, who, who commits suicide, there's divorce. The, the marriage doesn't survive it because the blame starts going on one another because it's too much to bear, right? Children, we talked about this a little bit earlier. You are, as a parent, teaching your child how to be a person in this world, and so depending on the age of your child and the stage of life that they're in, what you do and say and how you be pretty much is what they're learning. And so just like, you know, there's this condition, I can't remember the name of it, but children who've been raised by alcoholics who don't drink anything, but still exhibit the same behaviors mm. of an alcoholic because they were raised by them. even it's like though a they phantom
0: alcoholism. Have,
1: exactly. So it's like what we don't, realize is that there's a passing down in a sense, because that's how we learn as human beings. And so there's this, you know, I believe this, this gentleman, Steven has three children. He has a 14 year old daughter, Mm. the 14 year old daughter, you know, a three year old, I think a five or a six year old. Right. And so that can leave a child. I know with the, with the one girl that I spoke about earlier and her father committing suicide it left her with the sense of, didn't he love me enough to stay? How, it, you know, and then it's a sense of low self-esteem. You're, you don't feel like you're worth
0: yeah, it's somebody's like, love. It's sort of like the, the, the ultra abandonment. You know, it's like the, the most abandonment you can experience.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Is when somebody chooses just to, you know, step off the just to be gone. The, the, yep. life the life plane and be away yep. from you entirely. Even the terminology, because you've mentioned it a couple of times, of committing suicide versus something that increasingly we're hearing about death by suicide Mm. or dying by suicide. He died by suicide. I had um, um, Deacon Ed Schoner Mm -hmm, on this show mm -hmm. probably like a year ago or so. Mm -hmm. And he really, he was very much of the dying by suicide kind of persuasion because of a lot of the uh mental issues which are very real that yes. are part of somebody in a su- kind of suicidality moment mm-hmm. but the fact that you know we die of you know cancer or we die of some other illness it it connotes in the word that it's not it's something that is happening from the outside in mm-hmm. or in some cases from the inside out right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but not something that is being in a way chosen or elected. Now, I know this gets us into some dicey areas because I'm not suggesting, and even the catechism says, which we can get to in a minute, that, you know, there's culpability Mm -hmm. and then there's like, there's there's what happened and then there's culpability. Like how culpable is somebody for what actually happened? But it is meaningful to note that like society is increasingly moving us away from the idea of somebody committing suicide Mm -hmm. and more to the idea of suicide happening to someone.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think that in a lot of ways, that makes it harder to come to the realization that you're making right now right. of this acknowledgement of what's really gone on, mm-hmm. because if it just happened from outside, mm-hmm. right, it happened from without, not from within. Not mm-hmm. it, then, it sort of like happens. It, it, it's it's a, it, it just introduces yeah. a whole nother.
1: Yeah, of course, and and look, I'm and you and I we're not medical doctors or psychologists or any of that stuff, but I am a Christian who has suffered from you know suicide attempts and 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 being in that spiritual battle um and have been healed and have come out of it and speaking on my own experience and even working for the past 22 years with people who are in life conditions that you know create these types of ideations and thoughts and ideas and even attempts um it's It's been something that's been a part of my entire life and being. Mm. um with that being said there there are differences to that. It's a I think that there's it's a spectrum of things, right? I think someone like me in my experiences, I was fully aware and conscious. Was I suffering from depression? Yes. Was I suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Was I schizophrenic, bipolar, or manic depressive? No. I wasn't any of those things. I was just deciding to give up because that was the only choice I felt I had. So, yes, it's a very difficult thing to talk about, and there's different aspects to it. Like, for instance, this, this man, Stephen's 14-year-old daughter, that puts her in a completely different category than my own situation. She now has that 50%. And all of his kids do. Right. But her being the most conscious and aware and living the most consciously of the three children right now in the experience of having her father have committed suicide, then... She's now at that 50 percent level. So, yes, in those situations, it is more of an outside thing, but it's not impossible. Mm. It's not impossible.
0: The catechism uses some very clear language about the issue of suicide. I want to read a few phrases to you and then have you respond to these. Uh, In the Catechism, this is uh, 2280, it says, Everyone is responsible for his life before God who has given it to him. It is God who remains the sovereign master of life. We are obliged to accept life gratefully and preserve it for his honor and the salvation of our souls. We are stewards, not owners, of the life God has entrusted to us. It is not ours to dispose of. The other thing that it says um, is suicide contradicts the natural inclination of the human being to preserve and perpetuate his life. It is gravely contrary to the just love of self. It likewise offends love of neighbor because it unjustly breaks the ties of solidarity with family, nation, and other human societies to which we continue to have obligations. Suicide is contrary to love for the living God. I mean, those are very clear strong. and strong, yeah. you know, words, and you can also, you know, acknowledge and recognize that a lot of people who've been touched by suicide in their lives—I think of my friend Deacon Ed as an
2: example—look
0: mm-hmm. at that and they and they're struck by it. They're struck by their maybe seeming severity, maybe like yes. it's hard to reconcile. Yeah. But I wonder how much of that is maybe principally because, in many cases, we're not allowed to engage with our feelings of you know, anger and grief and all those things and jump straight to the end of this kind of acceptance and right. life and love and angels and and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think that, yes, absolutely. Like I said, there's a spectrum and there's the mental health aspect, but, and I have nothing to back this up with, and, uh, you know, it probably won't be proven true for decades ahead of us. But I almost feel like there's this is a mark my words moment, which I hate to say, but we are in a moment in time right now where no studies can touch us. Our studies are based on time periods without all of this technology. We're in the middle of something right now that that we we can't if we look back, it's not the same and we can't understand what's coming in the future. And that has to do with everything we're dealing with in life, especially suicide. Suicide used to be something that was tied, like, intimately connected with severe mental illness. Severe mental illness, right? You you had a diagnosable mental illness, which is how come you committed suicide, right? The rates have gone up consistently with maybe a couple years where they've dropped, since 1950, um, where, I mean, we're talking about, you know, tens of thousands of deaths a year now compared to back then. Mm -hmm. So it's gone up drastically. Why? I think that our digital world, our connectivity, how we can see what's happening in an instant has affected who's committing suicide. Mm. I, I think that it's become this type of social... Epidemic, or even symptom, a symptom of being so unintimately but connected. Yeah, right. So, like, yeah, we're all connected, but it's not in relationship.
0: Yeah, it's, really, it's, it's, it's like an illusion of connectivity. Yeah,
1: it's this false sense of illusion. And the reason why I say that is because even this guy Stephen Boss and all of his followers, and why I called him an influencer is because now if you have someone who's been following him and his family who loved his dance moves and loved to, to emulate him, right, you have, in a sense, felt this connection and relationship with him. You've never met him. You don't know him, but you feel like you do. Right. Because you've connected with him in this way for so long. How does that not impact you? Of course it does.
0: And to your point, the implications of that, we don't really know we don't, don't we don't really understand what that means.
1: Yeah, I mean think about it. I'm not sure how long ago was it. It's been what 10, maybe 15 years max, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. Cade Spade, Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain, like all of these, we don't know what those impacts are going to have because we're so connected now with one another everywhere across the world. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the influence that I'm talking about, which is why I think it's important that our voices need to be heard about the truth of suicide and how we can speak that truth with compassion and love and empathy for the person that's gone and the people that they left behind. Yeah, amen. You know, that's that's what I truly believe. And I do believe that there are legitimate mental health disorders that increase um, a person's um, risk of committing suicide. But I also believe, and that's the part that I can't prove that the society and the connectivity and the digital world that we've created has created this new.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I don't think we have even scratched the surface on what the potential you know, implications are of all of this kind of connectivity and what happens when you have a giant ripple in the pond like this, and it touches all of those, you know, 1.5, whatever number it was that you gave of those people that are connected to this person, what they take from it, what they do with that, how that impacts others. There's a huge domino effect that I don't think we can fully really understand. Yeah, because it's
1: not, because you have to think of it this way. Let's say out of his, you know, 3.9 million followers, he doesn't have 3.9 million followers with mental health disorders. You know what I mean? He'd, so it's like the influence that that causes on a disordered soul, mm-hmm. because that's really what I'm talking about. My soul was disordered, which is why I entertained the idea and the thoughts. How many souls out there are disordered right now? Not suffering mental health disorders, but just disordered by yeah. sin. Yeah, Sin itself disorders. Right. Yeah. So no, a lot of this to me is not a mental health issue. It's a disordered soul issue. Mm. It's this person is lost and needs to be found. And that's just scriptural, Mm -hmm. you know, scripture tells us that we're lost and how to be found. And, you know, there's obviously a connection to the lack of God and Christianity and religion um, in the world today. There's a rise in all of these disorders
0: and and to put a finer point on it, because I don't think you're suggesting that that the person in their sort of nature is disordered or their soul is disordered. but like the catechism uses the terminology of a disordered inclination as an yes. example. Yeah, so like your inclinations, which are formed by your experience made by your experiences, experiences and yes. all that stuff, Yes. can lead you in this disordered state in yeah. which you personally were. Yeah.
1: Even sometimes genetically, mm-hmm. you know, even sometimes, yes, that are a certain percentage of outside of your control. That's the whole belief that nothing is impossible with God. Mm. Right? So what do you, you're limited to your physical being, to your physical capacity no, as Christians we believe that God is bigger than that. He created our physical beings, and so he can change any of that at any time. And our faith in him is what's important. And we can't be enslaved by just what we're physically told we're capable of here. Yeah. Right? So, oh, you have this. This is all you're going to you're going to have to you're going to have this and
0: Mm. And how much more important is it for people, particularly those who have been touched by suicide, to hear that message, right? Because you can look at the statistics. We've been talking about them. That mm-hmm. if you have somebody in your family who has committed, your chances of doing it go way up. But knowing that that doesn't need to mean that that's their path, exactly. because God is bigger than statistics.
1: Exactly.
0: And in fact, I did want to just add one more note from the Catechism, just because I I think it ends in an extraordinarily optimistic way. This section it says we should not despair. Of the eternal salvation of persons who have taken their own lives. By ways known to Him alone, God can provide the opportunity for salutary repentance. The church prays for people who have taken their own lives, which is also something that doesn't happen in these scenarios of light and love and whatever. Well, they're in a better place. What's the use of praying for them?
1: Exactly. And quite honestly, I have a little bit of beef with, you know, local parishes and churches. Like when was the last time in the prayers of the faithful, you heard, and we pray for all the soul's, that have died by suicide
0: Very I've
1: never heard that I can't
0: that. recall it let's just say
1: that I have I can't recall ever hearing that prayer being done now I'm not saying that it's never have that that, that it hasn't anywhere but I mean, we're in L.A.
0: <laughs> and this is and this is a message, by the way, to my Deacon brothers, many of which actually put together the prayers of the faithful. Yes, to um to include that kind of intention in the right way and at the right moment, and obviously check with your pastor on the, on the best way to do that. Of
1: course, but
0: it's a very it's a very real point. It, there's similar o- overlaps between this and the issue of abortion in the sense that, you know, with abortion, we don't oftentimes hear those kind of petitions for. The abortion, the, the the victims of abortion, which are you know the 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 child obviously, the child, but also yeah. the mother,
2: mm-hmm. right? Of and post- the fathers, and the
0: fathers, so the post-abortive parents. That's right. And prayers for their healing and for their exactly grandparents and extended family, etc. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of this need, we we need to call much more attention to this reality that that exists now. Just to kind of get a, get your words and your perspective on this. Mm-hmm. What is the right response, right? In other words, this man, you know, committed suicide. What would you say about that? As as a person watching, as one of the, you know, 3.9 million followers, what would be your social media post if you had one to share at that particular moment when that situation is revealed?
1: That's really difficult because... I'm not her and it wasn't my husband and I have to respect that. I don't know what that feels like. Um, So I don't have the perfect answer. But not for her, for just anyone as part of that Um, network. But I mean, here's what I can say looking from the outside in and having my own personal experience um, with suicide um, is that, just like everything in our faith teaches is we need to express the fullness of things. Yeah. We need to express the fullness. Thank you so much for following, you know, me and my family. I'm broken. Uh, I, I wish he had, didn't make this choice. It was the worst choice he could have made for our family. Um, Don't do this. This is a bad example that he set. Um, Like, If we don't call it out, then we leave it out there to be interpreted in the wrong way. Um, And that's really dangerous because that's what the devil does. He takes the truth and he just deforms it, even in the slightest bit. So it still looks like truth. And that's how he deceives. Mm. And that's what we have to be really careful with. But I think that because of the stigma that's around suicide, right? Somehow this is my fault. I should have done something um, as a parent, as a spouse, right? There's this kind of blame that you feel will happen if you talk about it candidly like that. Mm. And it's just not true. It's a lie. And I think that the whole world would just be so much better if we can have more openness and dialogue. Um, We hear about people's journeys through things, right? Um, How many people, you know, will share that story. You know, you mentioned Deacon Ed, um, and and what he's doing. God bless him for sharing. Um, but it just it needs to be put on the table and it needs to be spoken about with um with dignity and truth. Yeah. And most especially in its fullness.
0: And recognizing that we do nothing, we do not damage the good that people have done, their legacies or all of the beauty of their lives Mm -hmm. by acknowledging the reality of what's happened. It -hmm. it, it really does come back to that separation of the differences between who people are and what people do. That's right. Because above all, we are deeply saddened by the loss of one of our brothers or sisters in this way.
1: That's right. And, And we grieve with the family.
0: Of course. And to, and to, you know, kind of gloss over that or skip over that. It's a disservice to the memory of that person in a way, and it's also a disservice to those who survive them. Um, And I think that's sort of the key to make that separation between those two things from what we've talked about.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. That separation of person from action is important, Um, but also just to speak life into people, Mm. you know, especially with social media. It's so easy for people to not do that. Right. We live in what I call a culture of death. You know, we're surrounded by just, you know, death in a sense and how we're so accepting of it that it's it that's kind of the culture that we've created. We need to create and nurture the culture of life, you know, because that's the truth. We need to speak life into people um, and journey with them you know just be on the journey and accompany them no matter how hard it is and um and just to to introduce people to god because ultimately that's what their soul that's what their that's what they're yearning for that's what they're craving it's you know it's saint augustine obviously you know our souls are restless until they rest in thee o oh lord and in a sense, that's kind of what the lie that somebody who's going to commit suicide believes is that if they just take their own life, then they'll be in rest. You yeah. know, it's the deformation of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we really need to journey. But I also encourage people who maybe who've had thoughts of suicide, ideations or even who have attempted suicide, you know, to never lose that hope. You know, never lose that hope. Find it in any way that you can possible. And for, you know, people who may know someone who's depressed, who may maybe have said something, maybe hinting to it, or, you know, encourage people to grapple with things and have hard conversations. I think a lot of this stems from not being able to share how we really feel about stuff in a constructive way. Mm. We don't know how to just have a hard conversation with someone. Um, and I think that that has a lot to do with it as well. You know, speak life into people, um, be there, journey with them, no matter how hard it is. It's not about you, right? And, you know, remember that their person is good. It's, it's a little piece of God, mm-hmm. right? You have a little piece of God in front of you. That's God's creation, his masterpiece, Never forget that. And don't be afraid to tell someone that, you know, when you hear someone speak the language of negativity and untruth, correct them, you know, like the conversation, you know, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bad boy, right? No, you're not a bad boy. You're a good boy who made a bad decision. Yeah, that's big. And that's huge. Mm. And don't be afraid to correct people with love in that because they need to hear that. Well, it's
0: real love in the sense that you're doing it because you desire their good, Mm -hmm. right? You're not just trying to be right about something. And we oftentimes get that part wrong. I want to speak a little life and a little hope um, into this situation. I'm going to do something that I typically don't do on the show, which is close out in prayer. Amen. And I want to pray um, for the repose of the souls of all those who have taken their lives. Yes. Yes. I want to ask for the intercession of those who have taken their lives in our own lives.
1: Yes, Jesus.
0: And um, I want to ask for um, the hope and the promise of God to enter the lives of all of those left behind.
1: Amen. Amen, Jesus.
0: By these situations that we always remain in God's truth and can speak that truth with real compassion and with real care, but with a real orientation to wanting the good of our brothers and sisters and their long life here on earth until God himself, the author of all life, is ready to call them home to their great reward. That's my prayer. And also a prayer of thanksgiving for having you as my guest tonight or today. Um, Very special to have you come in and speak that. I know it's been on your heart and I'm really grateful that you shared this experience with us uh, today on Living the Call.
1: Thank you.
0: We're not going to have a Wait What segment, probably for obvious reasons, but um, but I did want to ask you, if you were going to title this episode, do you have a name that you might choose?
1: Wait, what?
0: <laughs> I guess we are playing Wait What.
1: Um, and if not, I
0: think I have one, but I'll tell you afterwards. And okay. We'll like and yeah, nothing it. comes immediately Nothing to mind. comes immediately. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add?
1: Um, well maybe speak life. I don't mm. know. I like speak life.
0: Speak life. Yeah. I like that. That could be speak it. Life. That could be could it. We'll, be. See. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Thank you. My love. You know
1: what I did want to share, because it's super important, um, really quick, the National Hotline for Suicide. And we'll include this in
0: the show notes, too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely.
1: 1-800-273-8255. And I don't know if a lot of people know, but there's a new from your mobile phone. You can dial 988. 988. That just got launched in July of this year. Um, Only, I think, four states have fully adapted it and have like a full 100% response to it. But I'm pretty sure, um, I could be wrong though, so Google it, that you can just dial 988 from your mobile phone if you just need somebody to talk to, if you're in a crisis, if you're, if, you're, if you're having a hard time. It's the lifeline. And again, the other number is 800-273-8255.
0: Awesome. We'll include that information in the show notes. Thank you, my beautiful wife, for coming by the show and sharing this great um, and very personal Uh, subject with us today on living the call if you're listening to our voice it's time to follow this show and more importantly share this episode particularly if there's somebody in your life who's been touched by the issue of suicide someone maybe who you know has had some question about their role in the world and maybe has even often thought about what the world might look without them this is an episode you might want to share with them so we encourage you to do that And we'll see you again soon on Living the Call.